Likut Halochas, Yoradea, Chelek Aleph, Hilchas Avoidas Elilim, Halocha Gimel, Paragraph Gimel. Today's shir is sponsored by our close friend Nathan Rudy from America, and it should be his chus for Ezra Ben Seti and Nisim Ben Nomi and Nomi Bat Simcha, and also Simcha Bat Sara, and Liwi Nishmas, Tuvi Brabisro Yitzchak, Yurachmiel Daniel Ben Gedalia, and Rosa Basi Tamar. And for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it, the soich shar choli Yisrael. This halacha we said again is based on chapter 25 in Likut Imran, which speaks about the concept of the koyach hamedame versus seichel. The term seichel, as we're using it here, is high-level intellect, seichel digdusha, Torah, and and seichel that goes together with emun and Hashem and making all the right choices. Medame, or koyacha medame, refers to, we said, fantasy, imagination. The Yetzirah is called koyacha medame, and non-Jews are associated with medame, whereas the Jewish people are associated with seichel Dusha. Paragraph Gimel, Nimtza, Shehoakum, Hin Bebechinas HaMedame, V'Yisroel Bebechinas HaSeichel. Based on what we've been learning till now in this halacha, we said that the other nations of the world are associated with Medame, and the Jewish nation is associated primarily and hopefully with Seichel. V'alkein ikar And this is why when we speak about idols or idol worship, usually it applies to the other nations. Kamashikosov, as the Pesach says, asher cholak lohem, which Hashem has designated for them. Because the whole concept of idol worship is associated with the koyach hamedame, as we discussed earlier in this halacha. V'alkein ho'akum shehem bebechinas hamedame heim kroivim usmuchim l'avodezoro moid. And therefore, the non-Jews who are also associated with medame, they are very close to idol worship and idols. And they cannot escape their confusion without the Jewish nation. By them nullifying themselves and subjugating themselves to the Jewish nation. Just like the medame can only be refined and improved and perfected by the seichel, by true intellect. V'yalkein, and therefore, avodezoro shalakum neseres miyad tekev An idol that's made by a non-Jew becomes forbidden the moment it's made, even before he worships it. K'mayshikosud, as the Gemara learns out from the Pasuk, psile eloikehem. And the Gemara says, Kivin The moment the non-Jew carved it out or made it, it becomes an eloka, it becomes an idol. As the Gemara says, Because the moment that a non-Jew detaches himself completely from the Jewish people, and and makes an idol for himself, he nasis avoidesora miyad. It becomes an actual idol immediately, the moment he makes it. Kishom Eitzelhoakum Iker Mekoim Huavoidesora. Because within the arena of non-Jews, that's the main location for Avoidesora. That's where Avoidesora applies. Kihem Bebechinas Hamedame, because non-Jews are in the category of Medame. Sheshom ikra avodezora kanal, which is where avodezora applies. Rak sheyesh loy koyach levatel atzmoi veliyos merkova el Yisrael. However, it's possible for a non-Jew to nullify himself. No, it's not to wave his flag. I'm not Jewish. I'm against it. I have nothing to do with you Jewish people. But rather, a non-Jew who humbles himself to the Jewish people. And to be like a chariot for the Jewish people, meaning to help the Jewish people in whatever way they can. 
שהוא בחינס השכל, וג'וש פיפל אר דה שכל, אבל תקף כשויסל יצמאי אבי דה זורה, but the moment the non-Jew makes an idol for himself, וחולק עצמא מהם, and thereby disconnects himself totally from the Jewish people, נאסס אבי דה זורה ממילא מיד, that the object becomes an idol immediately. Because again, the place for idols is by the non-Jews. It's a natural connection. And this is hinted to in the words of the Gemara, where the Gemara, Shedosh, where the Gemara expounds on this passage, the carving out of their idols. The moment he carved it out, Nase Elokai. It becomes, it's activated. It becomes an idol. So Rav Nosanzal says, note the wording in the Gemara, the word psoloi means to carve out or to engrave. The, the Torah is using this wording, he carved it out and thereby cut it off from its source. When you carve something, you're cutting Generally, these idols were in wood or stone, and they would carve it, cutting away certain pieces. So Rav Nosanzal says, the moment he carves it and cuts it from its source, from its roots, <clears throat> meaning he carved and cut away the medame from the seichel, he disconnected the medame completely from the seichel, by making an idol for himself, it becomes an idol immediately, even before anybody actually worships it. Because the moment that it disconnects completely from the Jewish people, the moment the non-Jew disconnects himself totally from the Jewish people, it's easy to become Avodah Whereas an idol made by a non-Jew does not become activated, it doesn't become forbidden until it's actually worshipped. Because as we explained earlier in this halacha, based on chapter 25 in Likud Imran, the Jewish people represent that divine light that's found in gold and silver. They represent seichel, holy wisdom and knowledge. And we are naturally distant from idols and idols worship. Alkain and therefore, a Jew cannot easily disengage, disconnect themselves from Seichel and connect to Medameh, because the Jew in his roots is far removed from Avodah A Jew is connected to Seichel naturally. Therefore, the halach is that an idol made by a Jew does not become forbidden until he actually worships it. Because the term worshipping, which is called avoida, avoida zara, or avoida in general, the term avdus also means slavery, servitude. The term avdus, which means servitude, slavery, is associated more with medame, shehu bechinas asiya va'avdus. Medame is associated with physicality, materialism, like we discussed earlier in, in this, in this halacha. So, so avdus is associated with asiya, with 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 Asiyo, with Medama, v'chol ho'avoido is digdusho, she'tzrichen l'avoides Hashem Yisporach, bo'uvdo ba'asiyo daiko, and if you might ask, or you might wonder, but what about the term avoidas Hashem, serving Hashem? And we know that serving Hashem requires physical action. 
tzitzis, tefillin, lighting candles, mikvah, all of these things require a, a connection to the physical world, to uvda, to asiya, hapoel hu bishvil biror hamedane. That's all in order that we should participate in refining the medame, in correcting the medame. She'enoi mezbarer kiim alidei asiya va'avdus. And the only way that we can be involved in correcting the Madame, in repairing the Madame, in elevating, in making a tikkun for the Madame, is through action, through asiya, through avdus, by serving Hashem. This concept of servitude. And on the other side, when a Jew serves idols, Actively, actively worshipping an idol, Oz Nimshach Koyach that's when the power gets turned on on the Avoidazorah, and then that idol becomes forbidden permanently. It can never ever become kosher again, that wood or that metal or that stone. Because we have a very important rule that wherever there is a higher level holiness, the sitrachra is also stronger there. So because the Jewish people are holier than non-Jews, when a Jew turns something into an idol, the power of the sitrachra there is stronger than Lahavdal when a goy turned it into an idol. Because one thing is most definitely true, that a human being has free choice. And therefore, even a Jew who, based on where we are rooted, based on our connection to Hashem, we are the furthest thing in the world from idols and idol worship, However, despite that, Hashem gives us free choice. Hashem lets out the leash all the way. And when the power of Medame takes over a Jew and causes a Jew to fall to such a low place where the Jew actually worships an idol actively, then that idol becomes something forbidden, traith, as a result of its being served. Because as we mentioned earlier, avdus, serving, avoida, is associated with medame. Just like, for example, to show you a very clear example of this, the six days of the week, Shabbos. Shabbos is called Kodesh. Shabbos is Seichel. Shabbos is Neshama Yaseiro, which means a much higher level of Seichel. The six days of the week, in comparison, are Avoida, Sheishis Yomim Tavoid. Avoida, which is associated with Medame. Medame is good and bad. Kosher, Posel, Tomei, Tohar, Osur, Mutter. That's the six days of the week. That's Medame, etc. Any questions, please? How does Avoida how does serving Hashem, the term serving Hashem is called avoidas Hashem. And the reason why it's called avoidas Hashem is because it requires serving, being a servant of Hashem. One, Moshe Rabbeinu is called Eved Hashem. Eved is associated with Medama, we just said, Sheishis Yomim Tavoy, number one. And number two, serving Hashem requires being in this physical world and interacting with all the physicality, food, drink, table, all the, the, the entire physical world, which, is, which was created in those six days, which is Gashmius, which is, Medam, which is where the Medama is found. So by us, by a, a Jew being a combination of Neshama, Guf and Neshama, if you recall, we mentioned at the beginning of this halacha that medame and seichel are guf and neshama. By us being a combination of guf and neshama and using our body to serve Hashem, that's refining the medame. 
the more we refine our body, the body is good and bad. And the more we work on our body to make it completely loyal and devoted and subjugated to the neshama, that's all this process of refining the medana. That's inside of us. And when we take physical things, when we take a piece of wood and turn it into an Aran Kodesh, turn it into a bima, turn it onto, into a table on which kosher food is being served, a table that's used for Shabbos and Yantif, that's all refining the medana, refining the physical world, which, which is all under this umbrella term medana. Now, till now, all of this has been a little bit in theory, now Rav Nosson is going to bring it down to a very practical level. Paragraph Dalid, V'alkein lo yotzu Yisrael mimitzrayim ad sheshavu mihem klei kesef uklei zohav usmolos. This will explain why the Jewish people did not leave Egypt before first borrowing from the Egyptians all of their silver and gold dishes and clothing. Kamashikosuv, as the Torah tells us, that Hashem pleaded with Moshe Rabbein, Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Daber no ba'ozneyom, please speak to the people, ve'yishalu, ish me'reyeyu, and each one should borrow from their neighbors, their Egyptian neighbors, all of their gold and silver. Ki paroi u'mitzrayim ze'bechinas ha'klipois, bechinas koya ha'medame, k'meshikosu v'atoira v'ahimikates. Paroi and Egypt represent the Klipos, the forces of Tumor, the Koyach HaMedame. As Rabbi Nezal points out over there in Torah Nundale, Sheparoi u'mitzrayim heim bechinas HaMedame. We know that the Torah has a major production. Parshas Miketz begins with Vayhimikeshna Sayim Yomim. It was after two additional years that Yosef HaTzadik spent in prison besides the first ten. Uparoi choileim. Paroi is dreaming. Could you imagine out of all the ridiculous things to put into the Torah, Paroi's dream? We have nothing better to talk about? But there's incredible, incredible Torah in Paroi's dream. Rabbi Nezal has that whole chapter on Likut Imran, and there's maybe a hundred pages of Likut Yalochis on, on Paroi's dream. But in any case, we learned earlier that a dream is an example of medame. A dream is imagination, fantasy. A dream is a combination of good and bad. The Gemara says there's no such thing as a dream without a little bit of sheker inside of it. So paroi choileim, paroi is medame. Paroi and Mitzrayim represent medame. Shezeh ikar hagolos. And that's the real exile for a Jew. When a Jew falls into medame. Kishekoyach medame. The real definition of exile is when the forces of medame, which are all of the physical, materialistic desires of this world and all the confusion of this world, overpowers the Jews, who, who are the true seichel. And this explains the term avoida, not just avoida, but the Torah says avoidas porech, hard labor that the Jews experienced in Egypt. As the Pesach says, after Moshe Rabbeinu visited Paroi, Paroi says, We're going to make the work much harder even now. Till now they were working very hard, we're going to make it much harder. And the Egyptians embittered the lives of the Jewish people with hard labor, with bricks and mortar. So here we see that this is what the Jewish people experienced in Mitzrayim, and this is called Golos. This is the Golos Mitzrayim. This is exile. Now Rav Nosanzal shows us how this applies to us today. Because the main slavery and servitude and bitterness that the majority of the world suffers, who are chasing after money, these people become slaves to themselves. 
and they work themselves very, very hard. They embitter their lives with hard labor. Nine to five isn't good enough to work eight hours a day. I'm going to work 60 now. I, I'm going to, I want to make a lot of money because I need a big hand. I need a better car. I need an expensive this and an expensive that. With, with bricks and mortar. What, what, what's, the, what's the bricks and mortar? People build palaces for themselves, gigantic palaces. For what purpose? In order to embitter their lives in them. They think that's going to make them happier. They think that could create happiness. And they don't know that that's not the way it works. It's like drinking salt water. A person who lives their life based on Gashmias, where their goal is more money, bigger house, better car, all of that, the more they have, the more they need. The more they have, the more they're lacking. When the guy has $100,000, another $100,000 would make him whole. When the guy has a million dollars, $100,000 is not going to do anything for him. He needs another million to make him whole, etc., etc., and it says also that the Egyptians embittered the lives of the Jews with all kinds of hard labor out in the fields. We don't have no fields. What's the field today? Rav Zal says, The people today are always out in the field. That's what they call it, out in the field, going to see clients and traveling across the world, everywhere, to go, maybe I'll make some money, maybe I'll make some more money. Bidrochim rechoikim, traveling distant places. Vesoivlim meriras hashibud moid moid. And people suffering, very, very, tremendous suffering. Mashehem bi'atzma meshapin atzman. And some of it is self-induced. Who Who said? Who said you have to make more money? Who said you need more and more, better car, bigger house? What's wrong with the car? What's wrong with enjoying the car you have? And being able to enjoy it instead of killing yourself to be able to get the bigger car, the better car, or, or the bigger house, or the bigger this. It's interesting. I, was just, I just read an article yesterday in a newspaper, a religious newspaper, talking about Los Angeles, where there's a Jewish community in Los Angeles, and there's a non-Jew who lives... Two hour, I think it's about a, a, an hour and a half car ride away from, from there. And this non-Jew grew up very straight, honest, schooling, high school, a degree in mathematics, and wanted to teach. He likes to give. He likes to help people. And a Jewish school, YULA, Yula, I think it's called, Yeshiva University of Los Angeles, was looking for a math teacher. And he applied for the job, even though he lived far away and didn't have a car. And he applied for the job, and he told them right up front, I'm not Jewish, I, I love math, I love teaching math, and you'll, you'll see how the students will react to me. And they decided to give him a test, and they saw that after his first class, the kids were dancing and singing. They liked him so much. And he's been teaching there for a couple of years. He has a bicycle a bicycle or a motorbike that he takes for most of the way, and then he takes a train for the rest of the way to get to work. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it takes him an hour and a half or two hours each or two and a half hours to go to work each day. And he did it, and his students saw how dedicated he was, how incredible. They got together, and they made a, they made a raffle, a whole story that, that, that they made believe, as if there was a raffle and buying raffle tickets and everything. And they did this to raise money to buy him a car. And they succeeded in raising $30,000. The kids and the parents went to, to the top. And they made a whole thing. And he came late to the, to, to the raffle draw. And he didn't know what was going on. He finds out he won the raffle. The raffle is a car. And they showed a picture of the incredible Hakora Satoiv of Jewish kids. How these kids felt for this teacher. They saw how dead. They said that he would stay even though it took him two hours each way traveling. He would, if a kid needed help, he would stay after class. He would come before class. He helped kids that weren't in his class. You see an incredible, incredible human being. And again, you see 
what Jewish kids are capable of, that they went to, made a whole campaign to, to make it easier for him a little bit. They said afterwards that there's definitely benefits in having the car, that he'll get there more quickly, more easily. But they said on the train that he took, he was able to sleep or he was able to grade papers or prepare notes in the car. And it could be with the traffic. He'll be sometimes with the tremendous traffic, he'll be able to do it. You know. But, but again, just seeing what people do to get to work, what people do to, to go to a job. This is just a tiny example. And then I heard a story yesterday, two days ago, about a person who had a business, major, major success, millions of dollars, invested it in something and lost the whole thing. Zero. Lost all of his money. And you wonder, how, how nuts can a person be? He had millions of dollars. Why not just lock it up in your icebox in your kitchen and enjoy life? Relax. Enjoy life. Instead of being able, putting it into, into Sakona, taking the money and spitting the dice. Maybe I'll make more money. And it's worth risking Chas B'Shom, losing all of that. And, and that's the norm. You'd say the guy's an idiot. Guy's not, he's not nuts. He's part of the majority of the world. That's what people do. They make a lot of money, and that's not good. They want to make more money. Sometimes they win. Sometimes they lose. Sometimes you make more. Sometimes you lose it all. Rachman And all of this is coming from the Koyach HaMedame, from the Yetzirah from the fantasy, from the imagination. Shehu Bechinas Golos Mitzrayim, which now we're referring to this as the Egyptian exile, Bechol Adam U Bechol Zman, which applies to every single person throughout all the generations. Shezeh HaMedame Mate U Mevalvel Esodom Betaivois U Vemoisrois This Medame fools, fools people and it confuses people, and it gets them involved in all the desires of this world, in Gashmias and Moisrois, excessive desires. A person's allowed to have a house. A person's allowed to have a nice house. But each person has to figure out what their level is. A person who's earning a certain type of income, and based on their income, they can qualify for a house that's worth a quarter of a million dollars. But I can't live in such a house, especially my neighbor. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed in front of my neighbors. So I'm going to make a bigger. I'm going to borrow money and borrow more money and more money and bury myself and not be able to sleep at night because I have to make sure to keep up with the Joneses or somebody else has something more or better. I'm not going to have anything less than them. And this causes the person to fall into servitude, hard labor. Because as we mentioned earlier, this term avdus, slavery, servitude, is associated especially with the medame. And what was one of the most important factors that helped the Jewish people get out of Egypt? Yosef was the great Yosef HaTzadik, as the Gemara and the Medrash and the Zohar Kodesh speak a lot about this. That one of the most important factors in helping Klal Yisrael get out of Mitzrayim was Yosef. As it says clearly in the beginning of Parshas B'Shalach, Vayikach Moshe the rest of the Jewish people were involved in gathering together the gold and silver in Egypt. But what was Moshe Rabbeinu involved in? Moshe Rabbeinu was involved in collecting the battering ram that they would use to smash out of Mitzrayim to get across the Red Sea to get into Eretz Yisrael, which was the coffin of Yosef HaTzadik. Hainu, what does Yosef represent in this context? Yosef HaTzadik's avoida in Egypt, one of the main things that he accomplished in Egypt was giving charity to real, worthy, poor people. As it says, that Yosef HaTzadik supported Yaakov Avinu and his brothers and their families. Besides the fact that he supported the whole Egypt, he saved the world. He saved the world economy. 
But again, Vayechalkel, the Torah makes a point, he supported the Tzadikim, he supported Yaakov Avinu and the other Shvatim and their families. And they built yeshivas there, Vyalkein Mikro Yosef HaTzadik. And that's one of the reasons why it's called Yosef HaTzadik, Bechinas, as the Pesach says in Tehillim, Tzadik Choynein Venoisein. The Tzadik is all about giving, being generous and giving. It's impossible for a Jew to be saved from the bitterness of the servitude of this Medame, which we're referring to here as the Egyptian exile, unless the person is to give a lot of charity, to worthy causes, to people, poor people who are really worthy of receiving the charity. And then, not only is that, not only is the charity money holy, but all of the person's money gets a tikkun through this, becomes blessed through this. And the divine lights that are found in gold and silver shine brightly. Shehem Gidula Sabiris Baruch, which are a display of the greatness of Hashem, and this is what defeats and subdues the Medame. And this also explains the great wealth that Klal Yisrael received upon leaving Egypt. Klal Yisrael was with the help of Moshe Rabbeinu leading them, who, Moshe Rabbeinu who represents Das, the one who gave us the Torah, to reveal and shine that, that divine light that's find, found in gold and silver. And that's why they didn't leave Egypt before being commanded to borrow from their Egyptian neighbors the gold and the silver and the clothing to take the money and the wealth out of the Medame, to take it away from the Medame. And to return it to the realm of holiness, to the Jewish nation. When the money is in the possession of the Jews, there that money shines brightly with, with holiness. Because these divine, that divine light that's found in gold and silver only shines, is only active when it's in the possession of the Jews. And that's what played an important role in helping us get out of Mitzrayim. As it says in the Pasuk, First, borrow the gold and silver and everything. And then the Jews will leave with great wealth. The word be means with, and the be means also mean, the with means physically carrying out this great wealth, and the be also means because of, that this great wealth will play an important role in helping us exit from its shrine. It's through this great wealth, that helped us, that played an important role in getting us out of Egypt. When that gold and silver came into Jewish hands and we were able to reveal the light in the gold and silver, which is the greatness of Hashem, that's what helped defeat the Egyptians, Paroi and the Egyptians, the Klippos. And then the Jews were able to exit from this Medame, from, from Egypt. And now we understand why the Pesach says Moshe Rabbeinu took the bones of Yosef with him the Dosh Rabbi Senesal, and the Medrash says, Chacham Leiv 
Yikach Mitzvois. A truly smart person takes mitzvahs. Moshe Rabbeinu knew that what the other Jews were doing was also a mitzvah, but he went for the big mitzvah. Shekol Yisrael Osku Bebiza. The rest of Klal Yisrael was involved in cleaning out Egypt from all their wealth. And Moshe Rabbeinu was involved with Yosef Hatzadik's bones. Rav Nosenzal asks a question. There's an apparent question here. For the Choyre Kosher, there means, seems to be a question here. Why is it saying he was involved in mitzvahs, seeming to imply they weren't involved in mitzvahs? They were also involved in, a, in an important mitzvah that Hashem gave. Hashem commanded them and warned them to be involved in this. As it says clearly, Please speak to the people, the Yishalu, and they should borrow. And our rabbis expound on this. Hashem said, I'm, I'm begging you, I'm, I'm asking you, has Warn them that this is very important. So this is also a mitzvah. Why does it say, Chacham lev yikach mitzvahs? Moshe Rabbeinu took mitzvahs. Ach, Be'emes. But Rav says, the truth is, Hakol nicho al pianal. You're going to see how all of this fits beautifully based on what we've been learning here. Ki bevadai ashirus diktusha shel Yisroel hakshirim hu yokor moid. Because most definitely, the holy wealth of religious Jews, people who are really religious, is very precious. It's a revelation of the greatness of Hashem. Whereby the greatness of Hashem and the goodness of Hashem is revealed through these divine lights in, 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 the, in the money of truly religious people. There are people who have beautiful homes, really beautiful homes, and every few weeks you hear they're sponsoring a Sheva Brachas, or, a, or, a, a bris, a, a bit, or, or an organization is doing a fundraiser in their home. The person has a beautiful home, but, but 90% of it, you see that their whole mind is on Gidula Saboire. It's all about using the home for another mitzvah and another mitzvah, and it's not even relatives. It's people who live in the neighborhood that have to make a shabrachas, so they're doing it in my house, and, and I'm cooking for it, and I'm preparing. Personally, where does this come from? The answer is, this is Gidula Saboire. This shows who Hashem is, how generous Hashem is, and how generous the Jewish people who are close to Hashem. And it's through this kind of wealth that we're able to defeat the klipois, the forces of Tumah, and the taivois, the wrong types, the sinful desires of this world. Shehem koyachamedame, which are all included under that umbrella term koyachamedame. And through this, we go out of Medame into Seichel. However, a Jew cannot be to that kind of wealth without giving a lot of charity to worthy causes, to worthy poor people. That perfects all of that person's money, all of that person's wealth. And these divine colors, these divine lights shine in all of that person's wealth. And therefore, when the Jews were leaving Egypt, which is a perfect example of being the Medame, the Egyptians and Paroi, and Rabbi Nassau explains over there on the Kutimran that one of the most powerful ways that we defeat the Medame is by revealing that light, that bright light that's found in Jewish money. That's, about, that's what that was all about, about all the Egyptian money going into Jewish hands. Al-Kain Oz Osak Moshe Yosef. 
That's why at the same time, Moshe Rabbeinu was involved with Yosef HaTzadik's bones. Ki atzmois Yosef HaTzadik zebechinas koyach hatzdoka. Because the bones of Yosef HaTzadik represent the power of tzdoka. That's what he was all about. Not just tzdoka, but supporting the people who sold him down the river. He supported his brothers. Hainu shebe'ez sheyisroel oiskin bebiza meaning at the same time that the Jewish nation is involved in, in getting all of this booty, taking all of this wealth of Egypt and getting it out of the Klippa, out of Tumah, into holiness, in order to reveal the light that's found in that wealth, in that money, which is the greatness of Hashem, by which we defeat the Medame, which is what leaving Egypt is all about, that's when Moshe Rabbeinu, who is the symbol of Das, Seichel, was involved in the bones of Yosef HaTzadik, who is the symbol of the power of Tzedakah. Because that's the tikkun for all of that wealth. Because it's through the power of tzedakah that we turn on the lights. The person gives 10% of their money to tzedakah or 20%. That turns on the lights, not just in the charity. That turns on the lights in all 100% of their money. And when those lights are turned on bright, the klipos run for cover. Remember, we gave the example many times that you're in a house that's dark at night, and a person goes into a room and they turn on the lights, and suddenly you see these little critters on the floor running for cover, running to hide. When there's darkness, they're prevalent. The moment the lights are turned on, they run away. So when we turn on the lights in the money, the klipos, the sitrachra, the medana, runs away. Vi'ato, and now memela tovin, you'll understand automatically, how this concept of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim applies to every single person in all generations. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in the Torah. Don't forget, the Torah is not a storybook or a history book. Everything in the Torah is applying to me today. How does, where's Paroi? Where's Egypt? Where's, where's all of that money? Meaning, when a Jew is involved in going out to work, to do business or work or of any sort, the person has to focus and concentrate all of their attention that the reason I'm going out to work is to reveal the greatness of Hashem through my money. I'm going to use my money for tzedakah, for a lulav, for an esroid, for clothing for yontif, for a gift for my wife, for all the, diff all the different mitzvahs. Because in money is found these divine, when money is used to reveal gedula sabayre, you have these divine lights there, the canal as we discussed earlier. And this a person will be to when if the person focuses his entire attention on the tzedakah, to give a lot of tzedakah to worthy poor people from his money. And then all of that person's money has a tikkun. And that person will be through all of his money to reveal Gedula Saboyri. His house will be used for mitzvahs. His car will be used. Everything he owns is mitzvah. And to weaken the medameh, and to rise up to seichel. I, I remember one of my friends 
who at one time was working and making money, serious money. And the minute he made the money, I got an emergency phone call. Emergency? What's the emergency? Where are you? I have to give you the tzedakah. Sometimes it was after he made the money, he got the money. And sometimes it was before he got the money. He heard that his company made certain money. I, I, I want to give the tzedakah right away to make sure we get the money. And it wasn't thinking, maybe I'll buy a bigger car, a better car, a bigger house, a bigger, the, a fancier suit. Right? The first thought, money tzedakah, then, then we'll worry about the rest. Then I'll think about what to do with the rest of it. But on the other side, in the opposite manner, when a person does not give tzedakah, then that person falls into the wrong type of tzedakah mamon, which is literally idol worship. We said on, on the coins, it says, in God we trust. For many people, that's the God. Which comes as a result of a confused medame, which causes, which, which enslaves the person in hard labor. This refers to the bitter struggling and suffering of those people who are steeped in Taivas Mamain, where they're all day, 24 7, they're thinking about money, 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 money and bills and more money and more bills and more. But when a person gives stucker, then that person's money gets a complete tikkun, gets repaired and perfected. And the divine light that's found in money and wealth shines beautifully. And this brings about the downfall of Pari and Mitzrayim. And the person is saved from that bitterness, that unpleasantness of going to work, of doing business. This is the concept of getting out of Egypt. The person gets out of that bitter exile of that slaver being a slave to money. The person gets to a level where they enjoy and are totally happy with what they have. As Rabbeinu Zal writes in the beginning of chapter 13 in Likud Imran, quoting the Zohar Kodesh, there is a divine holiness that comes down to cool off the fire in the heart. Take a look over there in the beginning of that chapter on the Kutimran, where Rabbi Nezal explains that the fire is the fire of Taivas Mamoin, that unquenchable thirst for more, more money, more wealth, more, 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 in, in an excessive kind of way. And the Ruach is the Tzedakah, which is called a Ruach Nediva, a generous spirit, a person who enjoys giving, enjoys helping others, that kind of thing. Ayn Sham, take a look over there in the beginning of chapter 13 on Ikutimran, and also especially chapter 23 on Ikutimran, which is one of the major, major productions where Rabbi Nezal really goes into explaining the whole union of Mamoin Digdusha versus Taivas Mamoin. Question. Nassan, it seems that even people that don't have this tava for extra money are subject to the crush of the demands of work today. You know, I'm wondering so Nassan can give some advice on that. De definitely. The answer is it's not the same. It's not, the, I, I think I know what you're saying that this guy's working hard and this guy's working hard. This guy has pressure and this guy has pressure. But Ramos snuck in a couple of words here. He snuck in the words Sameach Bechelkoi. One person is always bitter, angry, resentful, jealous, nasty, unhappy, and working very hard and struggling and working excessively and never enough, etc. Another person could also be working hard, could also be feeling pressure, but it's combined with a joy and happiness that comes from faith in Hashem. 
that even though I see these bills in front of me, these unpaid bills, I'm super happy because I, I also see bills that have been paid and that are being paid. And I'm, I'm, the cup is half full. I'm focusing on the half full cup, not on the half empty cup. And I'm able to really enjoy and appreciate what I have. And if I don't get anything more, I won't feel lacking. I won't be angry, resentful. And if I see somebody else that does have more, it doesn't bother me in any way whatsoever. So you, you can have two people who look almost alike. Remember Rav Rosenfeld, once saw me and a friend of mine running for a train in the morning to go to work. We had gone to the mikveh and we went to shul, we daven shachris, and we had a shir after work, and then uh, and now we're running to take the subway to go from Brighton Beach to Manhattan to go to get to work. And he he saw us the next day and he said, "Don't you ever ever do that. You never run." To go to work, to run, that's reserved. You run to go to shul. You want to go there. It's a, that, that's reserved for Kedusha. So again, there's, there's, there's all kinds of differences that show, again, what do you mean, no, but if I miss the trial, I'll be late for work. If I'm late for work, I'll get docked for... Money comes from Hashem. Going to work because Hashem issued a curse at the beginning of creation, people have to work. Money, m- making that train or missing that train is not going to decide whether I have food for Shabbos or food for Sunday. Hashem is going to decide that. And Hashem loves me and Hashem is so good to me, Baruch Hashem. Look at how much I've had. Look how Baruch Hashem, till now, Hashem is taking care of me all the time. So it's a completely different mindset. And, and one is a servant and a slave and the other one is not. I'm a servant to Hashem. Like Daniel told, like Chagai, uh, told, told Nebuchadnezzar that that. You're a king regarding taxes. If it comes, if there's any conflict between you and our religion, you and a dog. You're not. You're. You're. you're you have to hope to be equal to a dog. You'd be lucky if you make. To, you know. So in terms of worshiping my job, my work, my boss, my none of that. None of that. And a person gets fired from a job. What am I going to do now? What am I going to do? What are you nuts? You think you were doing till now? Who is giving you till now? Hashem is good. As long as Hashem is in business, I'm okay. As long as Hashem is alive, I don't have to worry about anything. The company goes bankrupt. The bank goes all baloney. Here today, gone tomorrow. As long as Hashem is around, I'm good. Question, what's the difference between Tikkun Abris and Tikkun HaMomoyim? Both are connected to Tzedakah and removing the Klippos and Koya Hamedame. What differentiates between the two tikkunim? Where do these tikkunim take place? Rav Nosenzal has a major discussion about this in several places, but especially in Likutei Alochos, when he speaks about the story of the Baal Tefillah. I believe it's an Orachayim Hilchas Tefillah, maybe Halachadalit or Hey, because in that story, Rav Nosenzal seems to imply that the worst problem for a Jew is Taivas Mamun. Because he says in that story that anyone else can be helped. But if a person falls into Taivas Mamun, it's almost impossible to help them. And Rabbi Nezal shows in other places that the worst problem is Pigama Bris. And there Rabbi Nezal goes into a major discussion showing, number one, that the two are related. They are both related in many ways. Bris is Yesoid, and money is, is, is Malchus many times. Wealth Ashirus is associated with Kovoid, which is Malchus, Melech HaKovoid. So the two are very much connected, but there Rav Nosanzal really elaborates on it. It's going to come up in many places in Yikutelochus. But both, both, we said that Pegama Bris is called idols. Remember Rabbi Shimarichoy said, Al Tifnu El Ho'elilim. When he told his students, let's rush and go ahead so we're not looking at women. So we're not looking at idols, and, and that's Pigama Bris, and money, Taivas Maman, is called Elile Kesev Elile Zov, idols. There are many connections. It's late now, we can't go into it more, but I, I hope this gave a little clarity, and for, for much, much more detail, look at that Halacha Nikut Halachas. Good morning. Can I just yes. clarify Rabnosan's question and answer briefly? Please. The, the question is, Everyone else was involved in mitzvahs, and so was Moshe Rabbeinu. So why, 
Definitely, definitely. Because Rabbein Sal explains over there in Likutei Maran that money can be holy, money can, can shine with Gidula Saboire, or money can be darkness. When money is in the hands of a good Jew, it's glowing. Kesavisov, it's glowing with Gedula Saboire. When it falls into the hands of a non-Jew, darkness, that the lights are shut down. And Rabbi Nassau explains over there in the Kutuman, how do you do? So how, what do you do? Is it, it just as soon as it comes into the Jew's hands? The answer is no, that's not enough. Rabbi Nassau explains over there in the Kutuman that Gedulas Haboyre is stuck. When a person gets stuck, that turns on that switch called Gedulas Haboyre. That Gedulas Saboire is stuck. And we know, for example, the Arizal says, that in the morning in Shachris, when should a person give tzedakah? When they say the words, Vi'ato Moishel Bakoil, you Hashem rule over everything, we're being Mamlech Hashem, we're really crowning Hashem over there, that's a place to give tzedakah, if possible. So Rabbi Nezal shows there that it's the, the act of, that it's the tzedakah that plays an important role in turning on those lights in the money. So Rabbi Nezal is showing here that Moshe Rabbeinu was coordinating with the Jews. There were two steps here. There was taking the money out of non-Jewish hands and bringing it into Jewish hands, and then it required Staka to really turn on the lights, to really turn. The, the act of bringing it over the border, getting it out of Jewish, out of Goyish hands into Jewish hands, already flicked the switch, but it was on dimmer. It, it turned it, the switch, you know, you have these dimmer switches sometimes that a person has in their house. There's the lights being off. You click the switch, the lights are off. You click the switch, it's on now. But it's, it's either, it's, it could still be either darkness or, or very dark, you know, it's almost dark. Then somebody turns the dial and it goes from, from dim to bright, bright light. That's what the tzedakah does. So that's why Rav Nussan is saying, Chacham Leiv Yikach Mitzvah, that Moshe Rabbeinu saw what they were doing and he knew how important what he was doing to make sure that what they were doing would be a complete success. They were working in tandem together. Thank you, Rabbi. Just the point I want to add, somebody could get the impression from the way we're talking about the Egyptian money and, and, and the Jews taking it away from them, like Jews did in all generations. Don't forget the story that the Torah tells us that a, a thousand years later or so, when Alexander the Great was ruling the world, there were some Egyptian geniuses who came up with a great idea. They decided since he's the king of the world, Alexander, he could, that's the world court. Let's take the Jews to the world court and let's make them return all of that wealth that they took away from the poor Egyptians. So they, they, they went and the Jews had to figure out who are we going to send to challenge them. And they picked a very simple, seemingly simple person who, who had tremendous faith in Hashem. And he said, I'll, I'll go. And he went, and, and, and he went, they, they presented their case to Alexander the Great, and he said they're 100% right. Their bill is uh, $32 billion. However, if you multiply 600,000 men times 210 years of slavery, the men, the women, and the children, etc., and again, that was just at one point. There were millions and millions and millions of Jews that, that lived in, during those 210 years that we were in slavery in Egypt, and they forgot to pay us. You know, we, we never really got any salary to pay for that. And they made the calculation, and it came out like to $320 trillion. And Alexander said, you know that, I, I see, one plus one is two. I see you're 100% right. And the Gemara says the next day the Egyptians snuck out, they, they left, and they were never seen again. They, never sh they didn't show up for the next court hearing. So whenever Jews receive money of non-Jews, it, it's not their money. It's money that, unfortunately, the non-Jews have robbed from the Jewish people throughout all the generations, whether it was during the Holocaust, Spanish Inquisition, the Jews who left Iran and Iraq, all of our wonderful neighbors, all of our wealthy, generous neighbors, all, all the Arabs, Yamach Shemam Vizichram, with their billions and billions, most of it, a lot of it is Jewish money. Jewish money that was taken away, because whenever a Jew left any of those countries, or Mother Russia, 
our fabulously wealthy Putin with his gorgeous palaces and everything, where's all of that money from? What, what did the Bolsheviks do when they came into a Jewish business that was thriving in Russia, in Poland, and every... What, what did they do? They simply changed the name, that, that, that this was your business, and now it belongs to the state. Rahman al-Islam. So one should never get the impression of the, the, the wealthy Jews robbing the poor non-Jews, Rahman al-Islam. Again, regarding the issue of tikkun abris and money, the Egel Hazahov, we quoted the Gemara there, which says that the reason for the Egel Hazahov was to permit Arayos. That was going to be a springboard in order to allow the Jews to have incest and adultery and everything. That was the focus. So there again, we see the connection between money and, and Pegama Bris. And when they worshipped the Golden Kiev, of course, that was the influence of Madame, the Erevrav. The Erevrav, that was the Das of the Klippa who misled the Jews into worshipping idols at the time, definitely. At Har Sinai, we had the highest love. We had Das, we had Nevoah. All Jews were prophets. And then we fell from that high level of Nevoah down to the Koyach HaMedame, Super Medame, which was the Golden Kiev, Rahman Ritzvah. And we're going to see that the Tikkun for it, the next paragraph, is going to speak about the Mishkan. The next Shir, tentatively, will be given from the United States, in Yitzhashem, on Thursday morning, I hope, in Yitzhashem. Wishing everybody a wonderful day.